Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast, where we take a deep dive into what makes coaches and leaders great. We're excited about our sponsor, Symmetry Turf. Symmetry Turf is a Texas-based turnkey sports construction company that specializes in building premier athletic facilities for schools, universities, and municipalities. Visit them at www.symmetryturf.com and check them out on Facebook. This is a Kingdom Coaching Podcast. Kingdom Coaching equips, consults, and represents coaches of all sports all across the country. Now for our host, Travis Wyckoff. Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wyckoff, and our guest this week is, again, Dan Hefner, head baseball coach at Dallas Baptist University. We are in uh, we're part two of a two-part series. Last week was part one, so if you haven't listened to last week, I would um, strongly urge you to go back and, and, and take a listen. Um, this week, we dive into uh, some of Dan's process for growing uh, as a leader, growing as a hitting coach. Um, we talked a little bit about their staff process on how they grow and learn and develop. Um, we talk about leaders and what separates the good from the great. So again, just to, we, we, we finish off um, a really long conversation here with some just great nuggets, um, stuff that I think will really be beneficial to you. So again, super fired up. Dan's a great friend of mine and uh, really grateful for him. And man, there's just not too many people that um, that I would rather spend some time with and, and and pick his brain and learn from. And so, just really enjoyed it. And it's funny because I've I've known him for quite a while and um, still still learning from him. So, I hope you enjoy um, the second part of my conversation with Dan Hefner. Okay, let's talk. Um, since we're kind of we're, we're talking about culture. Let's talk a little bit about staff culture. You mentioned it when you talked about development on making sure your staff is, you know, has the best info that you guys are either, either um, setting the cutting edge or your early uh, adapters. Talk about the importance of the culture of the, of, of your staff helping lead and grow this culture that you guys are out front being, you guys are developing, you guys are working, you guys are having a growth mindset. Talk a little bit about the importance of that. Yeah, I think obviously we all know the importance of you have to model it. So it's like, if we're talking to our players about development, well, we have to model the way, um, you you know, and, and I think this one can be a tough one to, um, how do you how do you have you need to be consistent like there there has to be a foundation and you know that's consistent year in and year out so like my hitting philosophy like um what i believe about the swing has stayed pretty consistent throughout my coaching career like i was real fortunate some things i learned as a player and then i go to grad school and i'm able to study it and do my thesis on it so i i feel like i really know the science behind it um, so that foundation, and I haven't changed that belief the entire time I've coached, but constantly tweaking how we, how we produce the result mm. and constantly trying to improve it. Um, you know, so that's something we're trying to do as a coaching staff. There should be a foundation and there should be consistency. I think consistency is huge for players and for everybody 
that, you know, this is who we are, this is what we do, but it's always getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I've learned is that get, that brings energy. <clears throat> I know for me personally, yeah, when I'm learning, you know, like when we hit today, you know, it's almost every single day, I never recycle a practice plan or like when we work with the hitters today, like it's going to be new and I have an idea today of how we're going to do it. And so now I'm excited to do that because it's like, I can't wait to see how this works because I think it's going to be really good. I think this is going to spark the players a little bit. So now I'm excited for hitting today. And and I want that every single day to have an excitement about what we're doing. Um, there, there was a book by Howard Hendricks. It's on teaching. I don't remember the specific title of the book, but he gives an example of there was a, a college professor and he was, you know, an older professor and the students were walking by and they'd walk by his office late at night and the, the light would be on and next night lights on next night lights on. And one of the students asked him, they're like, Hey, why are you, why are you always here so late? Why are you still studying? You know, you've done this forever. And his quote was along the lines of, because I want my students to be drinking from a, a steady stream, mm-hmm. not a stagnant pool. That's good. And, and I think that's what we're trying to create as a coaching staff too, is that, you know, our players should be drinking from a, from a, a, a spring, a steady stream yeah. and not the same thing that we did 10 years ago. Um, so I, I think it's a, you know, little things like everything, question everything, everything. There's nothing off limits. Every single thing we do should be, well, why do we do that? Is there a way we could do that better? Um, what are we doing well? Like that's a really important question to ask too, yeah. that it's not always just change, change, change. It's mm-hmm. okay. What are we doing well that we need to keep doing? Like this needs to stay the same, you know, as we're adapting and changing things, this foundation needs to stay the same. You know, And ideally it's just, it's just who we are. It's what we do. Have you always been wired with a growth mindset? Was there a point where you thought, dang, I've got to be a voracious reader and learner to, 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 to get where I want to get, or has it been natural for you? I, I think it's pretty natural. Um, yeah, that's been an interesting one is trying to think is, is a growth mindset a natural thing or is it a developed thing? And that's a question with everything. But sure. I do think there's a huge part of it that is, is natural and it's just how I'm wired and, and I enjoy it. Like, Uh honestly, that's energy giving to me, um, learning something new, figuring out a new way. And then when you're, you know, when you're around other people that are the same way, you can just feed off each other. And then it really gets, that gets really fun where it's, Hey, what do you think about this? And, oh, that's a great idea. But have you thought about doing it this way? And just that back and forth of constantly, questioning and, and and having to learn too that you don't take it personally it's like a question of why are you doing this does not mean i'm telling you you're not doing a good job that's just hey have you is there a better way to do this or or it's an honest it's just curiosity like hey why are you doing it this way yeah what's the rationale behind that um and, and that's one that you know I've, I've kind of had to learn that the hard way a little bit with staff is that, um, that it's not personal. Like this is not me telling you, you're not doing a good job. Um, and trying to explain, like, I promise you, I'm doing the exact same thing to myself. Like everything we're doing, it's so with our hitting, hitting today, like, ah, that didn't work very well. What, why did we do that? What's a better way to do this? 
So now when I ask you that question, it's the same thing. It's not personal. I promise you it's not personal. It's crazy how uh, ego can get in the way. And uh, by the way, I'm speaking of experience. Like I, I, I told one coach a story of I'm, I'm working at a church and the first first six months I'm there, I'm learning and I'm so open and just, man, I'm like, oh, great idea. And people are, you know, everyone's got an opinion. So they're going to give you your idea. And three years in, it's like someone would suggest something and I would just like bow up because it's like, how dare you question me? And so I feel like for me personally, and I think most coaches need to watch their ego and just recognize kind of to your point of like, man, it's, 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 a growth mindset and getting better and challenging the bias and assumptions that we have is actually okay. And it doesn't mean you're bad or it doesn't mean you're not good. It actually probably means the opposite that you're growing, getting better, but it is hard to uh, that initial instinct when someone questions something to, to, to defend and not just to dive in. So you've been, I know you've been working on um, just the, the staff culture side of things, because I think it's easy for coaches to think culture, culture, culture. And, and when they think that, they think student athletes. Talk about, maybe share some stuff you've done with, with your staff as far as trying to develop a, uh, a staff culture. Yeah, and again, this is one where I think the, the player side of it, you know, that comes more natural to me about thinking, okay, here's the culture that we want for our team. Here's specific ways we're going to do it, encouraging it, all that. And I've, I've noticed that as I look at things in the past, like I've just assumed like, well, the, the staff should have it. Like, you know, they know what it is. They know who we are. And now let's just all do it. Let's just all go to work and get going. But just recognizing like there's, there's going to be turnover on a staff. Um, especially in our situation where a lot of our staff members, we have to do it through student assistants or, mm-hmm. you know, GA type positions and not full-time staff. So those are changing constantly. Um, and now how do you get people up to speed faster in, instead of they come and they figure it out over time mm-hmm. um, or maybe what they've seen and we try to describe it to them. So this summer we actually put together a, here's our, here is our, this is DBU culture. This is who we are. This is how we do it as a staff. Um, what are some of those things that were on that? Yeah, so we we named it the Patriot Way. Um, this is one, actually, you, you helped me with this. You talked about how, you know, different businesses and stuff, they'll have cultural axioms. Of, you know, this is how we do things. And so we called it the Patriot Way. And you know, just trying to think through, okay, who, who are we? How do we do things? A new person comes in, like kind of what's the cheat sheet so they know the culture and they're not surprised by, you know. So, you know, obviously first, development. Um, just, you know, so development is not just for players. Be a learner, be progressive. Um, that our staff should lead the way in getting 1% better every day. Nothing should be recycled. Everything should be tweaked and improved 1%. Um, you know, just that we should always be learning. We should be able to walk up to anybody on our staff and say, what are you reading? Yeah. What are you listening to? What have you learned lately? Um, and we've done that before. Sometimes you get so busy, but, and, and we didn't do this this year, but in years past, we have had like a staff meeting where, 
you know, we get together once a week and it's, you know, it, it is just a, it's truly a developmental. It's not the day to day. Here's what's on our schedule, our calendar. It is just go around the room. What, what'd you learn this week? You know, what did you read? That's or great. Was it from a podcast or just tell us one thing you learned this week um, that you're going to be able to implement or has your wheel spinning about something you could do different. Um, another one for us is just professionalism. Like we want, I think that's very important for our players and just for who we are. And, and, and a lot of this stuff too, is just kind of a, a wiring. That's how I am. Like, um, I notice details and I, and I want this to be an environment that is, that is just excellent. You know, I want the players to show up and for them to, um, you know, to me, if, if your environment is, is detail oriented and excellent, it makes it easier for them then to pay attention to details of the specific drill they're working on. So, you know, even the way we, the way we dress, staying physically fit, um, the way our offices are, the way our locker room is. Like, I think this is one I notice a lot. Like most coaches care about the player's locker room. You know, we want the locker room should look like this. Your locker should look like this. Yeah. Well, when they walk by and the door to our locker room is open, does our locker look exactly the same as our expectation for them? It should. Um, you know, humility. Again, so these are honestly everything we're expecting from the players, we should expect from ourselves. So then humility and loyalty, I think that's a big one is, you know, humility. If it's a focus on others and we talk about serving with our players, then us as a coaching staff, there's no job is beneath us. So, and I get a great opportunity to do this again that a benefit of I get to work with the hitters so like when we're having our groups this afternoon and I'll have five different groups and they're coming in throughout the afternoon and we hit and then when that group gets done there's hundreds of baseballs on the ground and I get to walk around with the players pick them up put them in the basket and it's a it's a reminder of me every time we do that that this is an opportunity for me to serve to you know that I'm not any better than anybody else um, how do you how do you balance not necessarily picking up balls because you're there anyways you're but how do you balance you're the CEO of Dallas Baptist baseball and so you've got to be big picture thinking you got to be casting vision you probably don't need to be raking the bullpen mound daily like I get it that there is a humility that comes with picking up baseballs or picking up some bats after BP how do you balance that with also like there's you're you're really not paid to rake the mound you, you know what i'm saying yeah how do you what's your thought process on that um i think i think one one thought i've had with that is okay i need to focus on the things that nobody else can do so that's what my time needs to be spent on and there are going to be things that okay i can do this but somebody else could do this. And I, I need to delegate those things that could be done by somebody else um, and focus on the things that nobody else can do. Mm -hmm. Like that's my main priority. Um, but I don't think it should be exclusively that either. And, and that's where I think there's like the example of picking up the balls, like how many opportunities throughout the day do you have that where you could just join in? You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know. I'm sure we could find an excuse. Well, I could, I don't know. Right. But, you know, so like picking up the balls or just when you're, you know, walking to and from a place and you're with somebody like, or after practice is over and all the players have their job to do and 
you know, to be walking around and, you know, you're making sure everything's getting done, but you know, there's going to be that one where, okay, I can help this guy do this. Yep. And now I get to talk to him while we're doing it. Um, so not, so, so doing those sort of things, being a servant, but not necessarily at the expense of doing things that only you can do. And I think there's, there's so many things you can do in the process. Right. Yep. That, you know, just remind yourself that it's, it's not about me and nobody's above serving. Yeah. I think another one is, is measuring that if it's important, we have to measure it um, and coming up with, you know, innovative ways. So in, in another one, and, and this is one we're going through right now as we're evaluating our fall and, you know, preparing for our end of the fall meetings with every player is we have to measure it. It cannot be, well, I think you're doing good. It, it needs to be numbers behind it mm -hmm. and to simplify those as much as possible and to condense them as much as possible. Um, hmm. You know, I think if, if they're given a massive spreadsheet with 30 different things on it, it's lost. Yep. If we can give them two, like what are the two most important things to, to help them know where they're at? So, all right, look at this one and look at this one. That's good. So, you know, that was one I remember taking a, a journalism class in college and having to you know, like write an article, you know, that would be in a newspaper and you write it and then turn it in. And they're like, okay, now cut 30 words. And now cut again, now cut again, cut like get it down to the absolute bare bones. What is most important? And I think that's, that's something we've talked about as a staff. We actually talked about it yesterday that when we're giving an evaluation to a player, we need to have a, a journalistic mindset to it of, what is the simplest possible way we can say this? Because that's what's going to get remembered. When there's too much, then they lose it. And I think the same is true for like communication, a presentation, like cut, 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 cut. How do we make this as simple as possible? Um, one other thing of our just cultural uh, for our coaching staff is to be solution-based, not problem-based. Mm. Um, I think that's a huge thing with, having a developmental mindset again so that the guys enjoy being here and it's not oppressive to them and, and heavy and a burden, you know, development, you could look at it as, okay, here's, here's what you're doing wrong. You need to improve this. Um, compared to the solution based is yes, we're still going to look at what the issue is, but we're going to talk about the solution. Yeah. So the focus is on solution mm -hmm. instead of problems. So I think like an example of that would be, you know, post game, we're going over video from the day before and we're first, we're going to go through all of our positive things. And then, you know, so I think that puts us in a, in a good mindset. Okay. Now what can we learn from yesterday? So I don't know, let's maybe a cut and relay. So ball goes into the gap. We did not line up well. And, you know, so we, we messed this play. So guys, you know, this guy got a triple. He got to third base. Next guy hits a ground ball and he scored because we didn't line up. Well, we have to line, you know, you could say it like that yeah. and, and really push on the guys or, okay, guys, let's watch here where we didn't line up. Well, our spacing wasn't right. We weren't online. We didn't check our, our head was not on a swivel right before we got the throw that allowed this guy to get to third base, which is a big deal. You know, then he was able to score. If we would have held him the second, he doesn't score. So now, now, when next time, what what's the solution to this? It's it's real simple. Like yeah. You just get out there right away. If you put your head on a swivel, you check the ball, you check third base, you're going to know that you're in line 
and now what is, as we were saying it like that, what's the picture in the player's mind? Now they're picturing the right way of doing it. So the, the focus is on the solution instead of what we screwed up. And I think we always want to end with the solution. You have to say, okay, this, this was the problem. Like we're not going to ignore what we did wrong, but give them a, the solution picture in the mind instead of ending on what you did wrong and what the problem was. One, I think with that too, is almost that idea of calling people up. Uh, yeah. So, you know, a guy messes up or he's, he's down and, you know, just dragging around and being real negative and stuff. You know, we could call him out and be like, hey, man, you're being, you know, there's a black cloud around you. You're dragging everybody down. You need to pick yourself up. Or, hey, man, this is, I noticed you're really down. This is not you. Yeah. Like, that's not you that, you know, the, the Matt I know, positive, great presence. You know, yeah, you get you get knocked down, but you bounce right back up. That's that's who you are. And I think that's another kind of solution-based totally. mindset compared to focusing on the problem with them is calling them up to the vision of, of who they can be yeah. instead of who they are right now. Okay, we talk a lot about development, both in your staff and, and obviously with the student-athletes. Um, the phrase deep work was coined by Cal Newport who wrote a book called deep work or one of the other ways that I've heard it talked about is working, uh, working in versus working on. So, or, or working on versus working in. So this idea of pulling up and really, really trying to move the needle in your program, not doing stuff, not being in the cages, hitting with guys, not hitting fungos, but actually thinking, doing deep work. How do we get better? How do I get better as a coach? Give us a, give me a picture of like practically what your weeks and rhythms, maybe months look like on, on deep work. How do you grow? How do you get out of the grind of teaching, hitting and, and, and working on defense and pull up and, and really grow yourself so that, as you said, they could be drinking from a stream. And um, what we have you know, we have two built-in evaluations every year. Uh, we have our fall season, and then obviously we have the spring season. And at the end of each of those, you know, we're going to have individual meetings with every player where we're asking them, okay, what went well? What do you need to improve on? And then we're going to ask ourselves the same things. So as Yourselves a, meaning staff. Staff. Yep. As a coaching staff, we're going to go through the team, and every single coach, every single person on our staff is going to say, okay, what went well this season? What do we need to improve upon? And then we evaluate ourselves, and then we evaluate each other as well. And then we combine all those things together. And then it's almost like a, you know, it's like the end of last spring, we did the, did the evaluation. And now you've got just things, okay, what do I need to improve upon? And now, now you've got your list of what to go research. What do I need to go learn? Um, so, so one that helped me with that was reading about John Wooden, like, you know, like every coach read a ton of books on John Wooden and where he had every single year, he would pick out one thing and, and just become the expert on that one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, it's, it's fun to do it when it's okay. This happened last season. Here's something I want to get better at. And, you know, after that evaluation and now, all right, now let's go to work on it. But that's where I think it comes in to play of that deep work idea. Yeah. Um, Okay, say I, I want to get better at X. Okay, well, how do I get better at it? How do I do it in a deep way? Yeah. Um, and, and that's like Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. 
a big takeaway I had from that one is that he calls it living in the shallows. You know, like the, the two, you can live in the shallows or you can go deep. And I think so much of what we have today, it's shallow. You think about tweets, Instagram, those type of things. Like how much information can you put in a tweet? Like there's good information there. And, and we need to, you know, be checking it so we kind of know the, you know, the benefit is it's instant. So like the newest things you can get in that way. But it's so shallow. Yeah. You cannot dig deep into it. Um, so how do you find, how do you dig deeper into something? Obviously, you know, a, a book, a, an article, a, a podcast, an interview, like going and talking to somebody directly, um, calling them on the phone, you know, if you can meet with them in person. So say like that end of the year evaluation, if there's something we feel we need to, we want to improve upon, um, and cause we're trying to be the innovators. Well, let's, who are the other people that are really leading the way in this area? we need to call them and we need to talk to them. And then when you are talking to them, you're trying to, you're asking them questions. I think that's a huge one is, is be good at asking questions and not, well, we do this. No, it's, Hey, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Okay. Where, where did you learn that? What's any sources you have? And then that's how you just start digging down into deeper and deeper layers. You talk to the person who's the expert, where did you learn it from? You know, what's a source that you recommend to me um and and you can now you can really get deep and and find something you know get to the very bottom of yeah. the idea so give me give us an example of something that you felt like you wanted to grow in and then just give us a snapshot of what that looked like for you to to attack that well one is a staff is you know like the new technology you know, there's, I think in every sport, it's this way, but especially in baseball, baseball is a sport that was kind of just tradition based. Mm -hmm. And now it's getting, you know, like golf, golf is very much, you know, science driven and technology and all that. And baseball was, was behind in that track and field, I think is another one that's very, um, scientifically based baseball tradition based. Um, so going to those disciplines, going to, there's parallels. Yeah. You know, like you think about baseball as a power and explosive sport, you know, sprinting and track and field power and explosive mm -hmm. sport. So what can we learn from them? Um, golf, like the swing in baseball and the swing in golf, pretty similar. There's yeah. lots of things we can learn from them. So like technology, um, like one example would be, we have TrackMan. really fortunate to have that. So everything that a pitch does from the pitcher's hand to home plate and then off the hitter's bat, but figuring out, okay, from a, from a pitch standpoint, here's what, here's the normal, what a normal pitch is. And we're trying to create outliers for every pitcher. So mm -hmm. what, what can you do different than everybody? Cause that's what makes people special when they do something different, you know, his delivery is different or he hides the ball or his fastball, the normal fastball, you know, has this type of break on it and his really rides. Like yeah. it, it feels like it's rising. So that's one that we've dug into as a staff is, okay, what are the outliers? What is average? What's an outlier? What are the important numbers to look at? You know, and, and then again, this is where that deep work comes in. It's, it's like something starts there and it keeps going and going, okay, what are the ones it's never, it's very rarely one number it's combinations together. Interesting. So when you have it's, you know, spin rate, everybody talks about spin rate. Well, spin rates a little bit meaningless. The thing that's more important is the vertical or horizontal break, which is also impacted by release height. 
So like if your release height is lower, the ball is going to feel like it's coming up more. Um, so combining those things together, spin rate, release height, horizontal break, um, release extension, you know, so what are the combinations? And then digging deeper into, okay, how do we develop it then? You know, what if a guy is average in everything he does? He, he has no outlier pitch. Can we get him an outlier pitch? Or what do you do with that guy so that he can have success? So you guys decide or have this thought, man, we've got to grow in this. So you start picking people's brains, reading, going places to figure out, studying yourself. And next thing you know, you guys are in multiple good rabbit trails learning more about all this and connecting some dots and maybe having, yeah. So is that how that kind of plays out? Exactly. Yeah. Like last year, that was a kind of a staff um, assignment was, okay, we need to learn more. Like we were at the forefront of this when we, when we first got TrackMan, but think of what's been learned over the last four years. Other people are doing it now. Let's go. Everybody, you got to go talk to somebody. Who can you talk to that you think's on the cutting edge? What can you read? Um, you know, there's so much information, you know, with, you know, at the major league level now. So every single person on our staff went and tried to talk to a few different people. And then we all got together and shared our notes together of, okay, here's what I learned. And then you start combining those things together. And I put it all together in one document of kind of, here's a cheat sheet of where we're at today with what we know about TrackMan. And then I think that's important that you you have systems in place so that now we can build upon that. That's good. So now this year we have what we had last year. Okay, what have we learned since then? How do we add to this? Because it's gonna help one player. Like, you know, yeah, the the one thing we learned this year might help one pitcher. Could that re result in one more win? Absolutely. So when you do this, um and I'll, I'll we'll we'll get off this topic, but I'm super fascinated. You you will uh, evaluate every coach, and then the the assistants evaluate you as well. Correct. I mean, one thing I've tried to do is, again, I kind of knocked on baseball a little bit that it's very traditional. Uh -huh. So getting out of getting out of baseball, like a lot of what I read and listen to is non-baseball mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So you know, you listen to you know bunch of different leadership podcasts and, you know, reading leadership books. Um, and it's like, well, this happens in the business world all the time. Like it, it's common practice to do a 300, you know, a 360 totally on everybody. So yeah. it's like, why wouldn't we be doing that? Yeah. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is, I love it. okay, what's happening in the business world and okay, let's apply that to our staff. Like there's millions, billions of dollars being invested in. Totally you know, leadership development. So we can just take those things and learn them and, I think and it, apply them. I think it might come back because I don't know. I'm going to start asking people how many, how many, whether if I'm talking to assistants, do your head coaches do a, some sort of feedback? Is there a feedback loop? And then asking head coaches, because I, I, I wonder what, you know, talking what we talked about earlier uh, about that ego and how it's like, man, it just, it, it can suck when someone says this, you got to get better at this. We need it, but it can suck. And sometimes I think we just guard ourselves. Our egos won't let our, especially head coaches, if they've been around a while, I can see a head coach saying, well, my boss, my AD will evaluate me and I'll evaluate the assistants, which sounds great in theory, but the AD's not in the dugout. The AD's not in the batting cage. The AD's not in the bullpen. So, mm -hmm. okay. I love that. Okay. Uh, this podcast is about leadership. 
Um, who's the best leader you've been around? Or, or maybe some of the best. First one that comes to my mind is uh, Dr. Gary Cook. He was the president of PBU for 25 plus years. He's now the chancellor, stepped down four years ago to become the chancellor and try to raise money for increase the endowment for scholarships here. But incredible leader. Um, what makes it, what are some of the attributes that he has that, that makes him such a great leader? Obviously, extremely driven, you know, tremendous work ethic. Um, passion for what he's doing. Um, but to me, the, the biggest thing I think of when I think of Dr. Cook is a genuine care for people. Like he makes you feel like, you know, you're the most important person that there is. And, and, and I can say that because I felt that way when I was an assistant coach and not just when I became the head coach and or we're having success or whatever, and we're hosting a regional. Well, then everybody it's on your side at that point. Sure. But when I was an assistant coach, he made me feel that way too. And, you know, run into him at a certain point and, you know, it calls me into his office. He's asking personal questions. And it, then I think a huge one with him is he remembers it. You know, it's not just, you know, ask these questions, you know, cause this is what I'm supposed to do. Then it's like three months later when you're talking to him again, Hey, you know, you, you mentioned this, you know, this is going on with your family. How's that going? How's, how's your son doing with this? That's like, cool. So a genuine care for people. And so that was amazing for me to see with him where to lead an entire university and to have that type of care. And he's not soft though. Like, you know, there, he had a way of how he wanted things done and it was going to be made sure it was done that way, but mm-hmm. um, genuinely cares for the, the people he was leading. What are the couple key things that you have seen that separate the the average to maybe even edging up on good leaders from great leaders? Obviously, they're, it, it's not, I think it's almost cliche, but you got to work. I think there's a huge part of it of just follow through. And hmm. it's almost like that, The la- are you willing to do the last 10%, the last 5%? You know, I, I see it a lot with, um, like one that's fresh on my mind, um, you know, I have to present a lot now or, you know, do speeches and that type of thing. And that is not natural for me. Never liked it, but I have to do it now. So I've had to like really work at it and done a lot of research on, okay, you know, how can I become better at this? And that's one thing I've noticed is like, you can go do a speech and, and now once you study it, now you're really kind of critical of when you hear other people Mm -hmm. and to be like, if you would have gone 10% more, if you would have prepared 10% more, you would have nailed that. Yeah. But you were 90% prepared and it just kind of fizzled. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that happens in so many different areas where people do the, get to 90% and then they stop. Whereas if you just go a little bit further, then, then you'd become elite. So I think it's kind of a, a follow through thing. So I end with three questions on every podcast. The first is what are you currently reading or listening to that's helping you grow? Um, a book I'm real excited about is uh, Innovation as Usual. So I, I just came across this one. I was talking to a professor on campus, one of our um, teachers a management class, and we were talking about honestly about growth mindset and 
you know, innovating and he's, and he put me onto the book and it's so far, I'm, hmm. I'm, I haven't finished it, but it is, it's nailing it so far. Because Give us of, your big takeaway so big, far. Big takeaway so far is as a leader, you know, obviously like I need to be innovative on what I'm doing, but it, it's not just about me personally. It's, it, it talks about being an innovation architect like creating an environment where the other people can innovate. Yeah. Um, and that it shouldn't be isolated to the one leader. Like you want everybody to. So like I've got my areas that, that I should be the expert in that I need to know the most about and I should be innovating in those areas, but I shouldn't be expected to innovate. You know, you know, I can be asking the right questions and stuff, but you know, Dan Fitzgerald on the recruiting side, like yeah. he's going to be the one being innovative there. And yeah. on the pitching side, our pitching coach should be the one innovating in that area. So creating an environment where everybody is innovative. And so another takeaway yeah. from the book is like where sometimes we view innovation as a once in a lifetime, you know, this idea that we just came up with and yeah. this once in a lifetime innovation. And that's not what it should be. It should be the title of the book, Innovation as Usual, constantly innovating. So creating an environment where everybody is doing that and that becomes the norm instead of yeah. the, you know. Along those lines, what what is what maybe a book or two over your years that you would say, man, this is a must read. Like this was such an impactful book. Um, there's, okay, one I think is huge is sports psychology yeah. in, in the mental game. And I think I see a lot of programs where they're bringing in, you know, mental coaches and that type of thing. And I think there's a benefit to that, but I actually heard Wayne Graham when they won the national championship at Rice, I think in 2004, heard him talking and somebody asked him about bringing in a sports psychologist and like classic Wayne Graham. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> like that's my job. And it, it 100% is our job is to, because we're the ones it's every, you can bring somebody in once a month or even once a week but that's not going to overpower what our coaches are saying yep. every single day. And so it, it needs to be a consistent message and we need to make sure that the things we're saying is it's impacting their brain in the right way, that we're promoting confidence and yeah. presence. And um, so that's something I, I dig a lot into is the sports psychology side of stuff. And is there a book that you would, or a couple that Lanny Basham, B-A-S-S, H-A-M. He was a former Olympic sharpshooter, gold medalist. Uh, really cool story, like where he he goes, like he's one of the top in the world, goes to the Olympics, and he has the lead, and he blows it, and ends up getting the silver. He's kind of crushed by it, but he's like, it was obvious that I choked. So he's like, it was the mental side of it that I, I needed to improve upon. So he's like, now I have the, the benefit of I'm an Olympic silver medalist. So he calls up every gold medalist that he can talk to and just just interviews them. What's your mindset? How do you think? What's your, hmm. you know, how do you do it in, in practice, in competition? And then he came up with his kind of, he calls it a mental management system. And, and I love it. I think a lot of sports psychology is kind of, it's textbook. It can be a little hokey where his is extremely practical. It's like, all right, this okay. is... And that's where the idea of imprinting came from. You know, whatever you think about, talk about, write about, you know, 
it improves the probability of that happening. Yeah. So are we are we problem based? Or are we solution based? We should be constantly talking about, thinking about, showing video of the positive things and what we want to happen. So that was a he had a couple books, and I've listened to a lot of his stuff, and actually even went and met with them and talked to him. Thought he was outstanding. Um, so that was on the sports psychology side. That's probably one of the most influential ones. Okay, second question: If you're visiting with a young um, young person wanting to get into coaching or just getting into coaching, what advice would you give them? Young person getting in, and I think we're all a product of our environment. So I, I kind of just look at my personal path of I was in grad school. Um, you know, I studied hitting. My my master's thesis was the difference between collegiate contact hitters and power hitters, the biomechanical difference. Hmm. So, you know, I spent, you know, hours and hours digging into that and kind of becoming an expert in that. And, and that was my passion. Um, that's what I really dove into. So I, I think that's important. Like early on, become an expert in something. Don't be a generalist. Be a um, an expert in one area. Dig into something. Because, you know, I think all coaches, you're kind of known for something, mm -hmm. especially in the beginning. What's going to get you hired is, okay, he's the best at this. Yeah. Whatever that is. Um, another one, and, and one thing I see today is, you know, information is everywhere. And mm -hmm. it's, it's probably not too hard to become an expert, but I think it's really important that you practice it too. And um, so an example, like with hitting, yeah, I can, I can know all the theory behind it. But you've got it. So, you know, like the 10,000 hour rule. And I know that's not entirely true. And, and we can debunk that in certain areas. But sure. there's a ton of truth to it, too. Like if you spend a ton of time on something and work on it, you will get better at it. So if I want to be a great hitting coach, I need to know the information and I need to study and do all that kind of stuff. But we also can't lose the fact of now you need to apply it. Get a coach. You need people. to work with hitters. Yeah. And so, you know, like, Say you're on a team, you're a young coach, and I'm just going to use this because I know as a you know as an example, you you want to be a great hitting guy. You're an assistant coach on a team. Maybe somebody else is over those hitters. Well, how do you get your reps in now? Because you're going to get better if you work with hitters. It's not you do this with everybody. You learn. Okay, I did this with this guy. He, this is how his body worked. This is how his swing worked. This was his flaw, and I tried this, and this worked with him. And now you come across the guy three years later, the exact same. And, and you have that in your coaching database now of, of what works for some guys and what, and, and then you learn too that, okay, this thing that really worked for him was terrible for him. And you only learn that by practicing it. So doing lessons, like that was a thing when I was in grad school was doing lessons. Mm -hmm. Like I was getting to work with our players, but you know, the more lessons you can do. And I think this is one for camp too. I don't know that there's many coaches that are fired up about camp. You know, it, it's kind of a necessity that you do for your program and, you know, to help people make money and, you know, for recruiting purposes and all that stuff, but also to view camp as I can become a better coach. So this is, we got a hundred kids coming through camp and instead of just, you know, herding cattle and getting them through stations, like specifically working and can I help yeah. every kid I work with, can I help him become better? and you're actually becoming better as a coach. So I think that's a big one is become an expert in something and then you have to practice it. You've got to get practical application that it's not all about 
what you know from Twitter and Instagram. And it's not the knowledge you know, it's how can you apply the knowledge you know. Have you seen that? The, I, like, I, can, I can talk about it, but I've just never been in the cages very much. Yeah. Is that where this for, is coming yeah, from? For yeah, for sure. And yeah. yeah, or then when you do, you know, you, you can have a conversation with somebody and it's like, man, this dude's brilliant. And then, you know, then you see him working with somebody and it's like the, the person's looking at him cross-eyed. Like, yeah. What you're talking about. Yeah. So I've heard the thing of simplicity on the far side of complexity. Like we need to know the inside and out, but then how simple can we make it to the person that we're working with? And that just honestly, it just takes time. And and to recognize when you're working with somebody and you're starting to lose them or they're starting to get too internal and they're getting choppy and stuff to be able to, okay, back out you know, free them up, do something to free them up or, you know, loosen, loosen the mood up again. Um, but that just comes from coaching reps. Yeah. Okay. Last uh, question. Um, if you're me, who would you get on this podcast or maybe to ask, who would you want to hear from? Who would you love to hear talk about leadership and coaching? Well, one coach that I've become good friends with, um, Monty Lee at Clemson, head baseball coach there. We went out and played them a couple of years ago and I'd always heard great things about him. Um, and then met him, had a bunch of conversations when we were, when we were competing against each other and we've stayed in touch since then. And we had a national convention the next year and we got together and spent the whole afternoon together, just sharing ideas and, um, mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed him. Like, you know, very much a growth mindset, uh, progressive, um, I think gets culture too, and, you know, is willing to do things a different way. Is going to treat his players. Well, you can, and you just watch it too. Like you watched how, what the dugout was like, how they went about their business beforehand. You can tell the players were comfortable with him. Um, He'd be a fun person to play for, but it's, it's still very demanding too. Mm -hmm. I think I've really enjoyed getting to know him better and conversations with him. And I think, I think he'd be an outstanding one to talk to. Um, Josh Holiday at Oklahoma State. Yeah. He's another one. I think he is. Um, you know, you talked about having your eye on culture. I think that is him to a T. As mm-hmm. he looks at the big picture and creates a culture, and um, you know, that's again just observing other programs that you play and just that vibe of the dugout. And, yeah. And you can tell, like, it is something that he creates. Like mm-hmm. he is doing things to create togetherness with this team. Um, so I think he would be a fun one to talk to and uh, just hear practically, what are they doing to create a, a, you know, everybody talks about family or, you know, close knit and that type of stuff. Well, you, you have to do things to create it. And I know he is doing those things. He would be a fun one to talk to. Um, another one. And again, a lot of these you learn from when you play people or out on the recruiting trail, but Mike Keselowski at Air Force, um, passionate, uh, you talk about, yeah, just getting the big picture too. That you know, sports or he sports. He is he is into it. Like that dude is competitive. He wants to win, but he gets as much as anybody that you know. Sports are a a tool to help develop people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you're going to talk to him for ten seconds, and the first thing you're going to think about is passion. Yeah. And, talk about being an energy giver. He would be a a really really good one to talk to, and a guy that I've enjoyed getting to know. Love it.
Well, Dan, dude, thanks uh, for taking time. I know this will help many coaches. I appreciate you sharing your insight. You bet. It's been really fun. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast, and we hope that you join us again next week. If you would like to connect further with us, we are on Twitter at coaching underscore DNA, or you can email me at Travis at kingdomcoachingtw.com. Thank you.